6.30 here on your community radio station and time now to check in live with R.W. Estella on the phone. Good morning, R.W. Hey, good morning, Allison. Back in the late 60s, early 70s, Constant Comment was a brand of tea people drank to pretend they were sophisticated. Today, the phrase Constant Comment more than likely refers to the nature of electronic communication practiced by humans, and in some cases, whales. Witness the conversations of humpbacks that researchers from College of the Atlantic have been eavesdropping on via waterproof microphones suspended from buoys in the ocean waters off Mount Desert Rock. Don't get me wrong. On those rare occasions that a prospective passenger requests a custom scenic flight all the way out to Mount Desert Rock, I enjoy telling him or her about the work that COA has been doing at their whale study stations at the Rock and at its nearest neighbor, Great Duck Island. But what I find disconcerting is the perceived need during the flight that some of those passengers have to stay continuously connected electronically to the world at large via their mobile phones. This despite my cautioning them prior to takeoff that they need to turn off their electronic devices so as not to interfere with the aircraft's radio transmissions while airborne. This past week I flew a lighthouse enthusiast out to Mount Desert Rock, and while I was making the second of three turns around the rock, I looked over to see how my passenger was doing, only to witness that he was sending a tweet to who knows whom, trying to turn his moment out over the Gulf of Maine into a travel documentary with himself as the star. I saw my chagrin, he, he saw my chagrin and quickly truncated his twittering moment. Although we were proceeding uneventfully, as we pilots say, when things are going relatively well, I couldn't help but think of the woman who, three and a half years ago, inadvertently became a nominee for the annual Darwin Awards. She had been standing out in the edge of a promontory at Scudic Point on a pleasant enough day while the winds were kicking up the ocean a little bit. With her little lapdog under one arm and her cell phone in the other hand, she was standing near the water's edge where the pink granite tends to get sort of slippery when slapped by the waves and drenched by their resulting spray. Suddenly her daughter, who had been standing a few feet away and behind her, noticed her mother slide on into the surf and jumped in trying to save her to no avail. Fortunately, a strong swimmer was also nearby on the point at the time, and although unable to save the mother or the dog, was able to bring the daughter back to shore safely. We'll assume the mother had unknowingly put herself and her pet in harm's way when she wanted them to be the co-stars of a phone call she was placing at the time. Apparently, to say accounts of, so say accounts of the incident, the woman who was a tourist had been speaking with someone back at home and had been extending the phone as far out as she could so the party she was calling could hear the sound of the robust waves piling onto the promontory in front of her. More than a couple of human tendencies conflate on a regular basis these days insofar as cell phone usage is concerned. The first is the predilection for human beings to play with toys, or at least to be fascinated by shiny little objects. Perhaps part of it is our attempt to hang on to our youth, keep things playful. Perhaps another part of it is our retarded evolution, unable to progress beyond the stage of infatuation with baubles of one sort or another. Secondly is our innate need for attention, our need to receive reassurance that we are significant creatures living meaningful lives. Cell phones take care of both these tendencies because they enable their users to easily access applications such as Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, Flickr, and other programs that provide constant feedback. My question, however, is 
Are these devices and their capabilities ultimately helping us or hindering us in the general scheme of evolution as living beings? It's often been said that real freedom for an individual is the ability for that person to rely on himself or herself, for one to deal with oneself independent of others. Does this contradict John Donne's No Man is an Island, Entire of Itself? We'll address these and related questions in future editions of A Word in Edgewise. For more on Omain, have a great day.